as we delve into biblical instrumentation and music history to discover the sounds behind the words of our Savior, Yeshua Messiah. afternoon, family in Yeshua Messiah. Welcome to the season finale of season two of Kadosh Holy Worship, understanding the music of the Bible, the sounds behind the words of our master, Yeshua Messiah. I'm Robert Randall, your host, coming to you from the beautiful Rocky Mountains of Colorado Springs. Today's episode is going to be two-part in that this episode, titled Meditations, is going to educate you on how Christian missionaries present a simple gospel presentation of the virgin birth to a part of Africa that's never heard the gospel. Um, They do it in stage performance as well as through music, which is very beautiful. Uh, Please be in prayer for our missionaries on the front lines. The second half of this episode is going to be mostly a cappella choir through three three songs, Pilgrim's Hymn, Hagalim, which is a uh, Hebraic male vocal chorus, and Salvation is Created. I want you to take the time to pray. Take the time to reflect on your walk with our master, um, with your relationships, with those with brethren and those who are not of the faith. Take your time to um, reflect on on where he is taking you in the spirit and in truth. And then finally, we'll listen to two uh, songs written by yours truly, a jazz, a Hebrew jazz song, which I've colorfully termed brew jazz, and the full score to the bumper track that you've listened to to this show, uh, Kadosh the orchestration that you've listened to, will be in its full production. So for now, take a listen to this educational excerpt on uh, missions in Africa, how to communicate the gospel to those who've never heard it in their tongue, and then meditate on his beautiful grace and glory. Sunday morning, nine of us, with all our luggage, piled into and onto an old eight-seater minivan. No air conditioning. Fortunately, it was a cool day for Benin in West Africa. 150 miles and five hours later, we arrived at the Windsor Hotel of Savalu, a sandy-walled compound right beside the main highway. Soon, our trainees started to arrive. We usually have 18 and have six story development groups. By Tuesday morning, 10 had come, so we had to make do with five story groups. Many of the trainees grew up in voodoo families. Several said their parents warned them not to get involved in voodoo. Jonas, a local pastor, said his father, a voodoo priest, sent his children to church. The trainees also lived in Windsor Hotel, and we had three full-time cooks plus three children who came with them. Our meals were usual for West Africa. Fermented maize or corn porridge for breakfast, or every now and then weak, very sweet hot chocolate served with a fresh baguette. Other meals were pot, thick boiled porridge from maize, corn, or once from tapioca, with fried chicken, tough scrawny little rascals those must have been, 
or fried or boiled fish heads, usually accompanied by a chopped onion and tomato sauce. Our favorites were black-eyed peas, boiled or mixed with rice, with a couple of spoonfuls of red, very spicy hot sauce. The weather was hot and sunny, and there are no shade trees in the hotel compound. So the cooks carried their pots out each afternoon and cooked under a mango tree beside the highway. One day at lunchtime, the cooks asked the men to help them pound boiled yams. Lunch was late by an hour or so, but instead of pot, we had pounded yams, very thick and sticky. the story development project, we had, as usual, challenges. We had four American trainers and four African trainers, but no translators. Fortunately, three of the African trainers could communicate in local languages. Caroline, a university student, came to translate toward the end of week one. Unfortunately, she was feeling bad almost the whole time. During the last week, she had to be taken to the hospital and was told she must rest. In order to make sure that the stories are clearly understood by non-Christians, we ask non-Christians to listen to the stories, answer questions, and retell the stories. Two of our African trainers, Doji and his wife Dorianne, went to find people to help us. At the motorcycle taxi rank, they found moto-taxi drivers who were willing to come. Worked great. The drivers came faithfully and pretty much on time each week. They enthusiastically answered questions and retold stories. Several trainers and trainees came down with malaria. Warren hobbled around like an 80-year-old, and Dorianne, who was pregnant, was put on bed rest. Every day, trainers had to buy more medicine. Fortunately, there was a well-stocked pharmacy nearby. None of the rooms had air conditioning, but there were working ceiling fans. We had water all but one day although it had a tendency to go out in the morning when I was taking a shower. The electricity tended to go out for a few hours in the afternoon. Some days I had to reset our electric alarm clock several times. I usually needed to reset it anyway, since it often ran fast, gaining 15 to 20 minutes overnight. The hotel had window screens with holes in them. The hotel also provided mosquito nets for the beds, but those had holes too and there were big gaps around the doors. But it was so hot we began leaving our door open at night, after I mended the holes in our mosquito net. One highlight was an unusual recording studio our team leader set up in one of the trainees' rooms. Doji assured the trainees, no, that's not a casket. The trainees recorded the stories they'd prepared, and also composed and recorded songs about the stories. Each afternoon, the trainee storytellers went out to tell their stories in the surrounding community. They each started two or three story discussion groups, where they taught and discussed the stories they'd prepared. The project ended on Friday with a story festival that our storytellers planned and organized. They presented the 15 stories they'd prepared, plus a half dozen story songs and a drama about the birth of Jesus. Oh, my God.
The motor taxi drivers invited their fellow drivers, so the majority of the audience was wearing purple shirts. After the project, the storytellers returned to their home areas where they started more story discussion groups. And we had a chance to see the effectiveness of Bible stories for bringing people to Jesus. We went on a guided boat tour of villages of the lake people in Benin. The lake people have their own stories including one about a huge crocodile who allowed himself to be used as a bridge to allow their ancestors to escape from enemies to an island in the lake. On our way back from the village, as we watched lake people fishing, Elaine told our guide the story of Jesus and the great catch of fish. Then Richard, a local trainer, told him about Jesus calming the storm. After we landed, our guide prayed with Richard to receive Christ. We also praise the Lord for people like Karim, who is taking stories to very dark places where people have never heard about Jesus. He's started dozens of groups and recently baptized 19 people. We are very thankful for the opportunities the Lord has given us to help take his story to many unreached peoples. We're praying that the Lord will provide for us to conduct a storytelling training in India this summer to prepare believers to tell God's story in the language of millions of Hindus. We're also praying to conduct a training in Georgia in the language of the largest Muslim people group in the Caucasus. Please pray with us that the Lord would provide everything needed for the projects in India and Georgia, and that the workshop in Georgia would open doors to prepare Bible stories for other unreached Muslim people groups in the Caucasus. We also ask you to pray that the Lord will touch the hearts of Christians in this country to support this vital ministry that's taking the gospel to unreached peoples. And please pray that more and more Christians and churches will use these stories and that through them, thousands will come to understand who Jesus is and find new life in him.